Chapter Three of Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace by John M. Burke. What is a cowboy? Around the name of cowboy hangs a romance that will never die. It is a romance interwoven with deeds of daring, nerve, and big-heartedness that will survive long after civilization has stamped out every need for the brave men who have been known by the name of cowboy. Our country is one that has sprung surprises upon the world from its very beginning, and it has produced men possible in no other land. Without the services of the cowboy, the vast grazing lands of America would have been worthless. As the buffalo, like the Indian, perished before the march of emigration westward, there came to take their place vast herds of beef cattle, feeding on the plains where the once wild monarchs of the prairies had roamed. With these immense herds it was necessary to have herders, and they became known by the somewhat picturesque cognomen of cowboy. They are known from the flower-bespangled prairies of the Lone Star State to the land of the frozen north, and their worth is recognized by those who know them as they are, for to their care is given the vast wealth of the cattlemen of the country, which is not alone in the beef furnished for the markets, but to be found also in the tan-yards and factories of the East. By many, who do not know him as he is, the cowboy is despised and generally feared. He is looked upon as a wild, reckless fellow, armed to the teeth, keeping half full of bad whiskey, and always ready for a fight or some deed of deviltry. How little he is known, and thus abused, for no braver hearts, no more generous motives, are to be found among men than are those that beat beneath the hunting shirt of the cowboy, whether he comes from the country bordering on the Rio Grande, the great plains of the southwest, the level prairies of the west, or the grazing lands of Wyoming. During night and day, storm and sunshine, danger and death, they are at their post of duty, always ready to be called upon, shrinking from no hardship, driven off by no peril, suffering untold privations, but ever ready to protect and care for the valuable herds that they control. At times, when a temporary relief from duty comes to them, is it a wonder that they break forth into reckless hilarity? They mean no harm to anyone, and if, as in all communities, one goes beyond all bounds and the death of a comrade follows, the many must suffer for the deeds of the few. The cowboy is composed of that stern stuff for which heroes are made, and the poet and the novelist have always found in this rover of the plains the richest material for song and story. In olden times it was that the boys of every land turned toward the sea as the mecca of their hopes and ambitions. They saw upon its broad bosom a field of adventure, a life of romance, and they sought to emulate great captains, good and bad. But with the coming of steam vessels the romance of the seas faded into oblivion. Foreign lands were brought near, the mystery of the blue waters was solved in a most matter-of-fact way, and the growing youths of the country turned to new fields of adventure. Columbus had won the admiration of would-be young heroes, and the heroic deeds of the grand old sailor were read with avidity, the boy longing some day to emulate them. Even Kidd, Lafitte, Morgan, and other pirate captains became heroes in the minds of the average boy, 
who longed to run away to sea and make his name known in the world. But steam dispelled these ambitions, and the American boy was forced to turn his hopes upon the land of the setting sun. Daniel Boone was a hero to admire. David Crockett, Kit Carson, and others became the beau ideal of border heroes, and the heart of the youth thrilled in reading of these men in buckskin. And these men of the Wild West, of whom Buffalo Bill is the most conspicuous figure, made it possible for other border heroes to appear. They sprung from the ranks of the army, from the emigrant's cabin, and from among those rangers of the plains, the cowboys. These brave fellows have produced many a hero in their ranks, and they have been ever ready to battle for the weak against the strong. The ranch and the cattle interests are being encroached upon by the advance of civilization. The mask of mystery is being torn from the wild borderland by the westward march of the iron horse. And in a few more years, like the scout, the guide, the trapper, and the hunter, the cowboy will be a thing of the past. To be acknowledged as a true cowboy, and to the prairie-born, one must possess accomplishments for the perilous and arduous work they have to undergo. He must be a perfect horseman, handle a rope, catch a calf, throw and tie a steer, stop a crazy cow on a stampede, lasso a mustang, and be a good shot, guide, scout, and Indian fighter as well. Let me here refer to a few incidents of a trip over the plains of a herd of cattle to the markets of the north through the wild and unsettled portions of the territories, varying in distance from 1,500 to 2,000 miles, time three to six months, extending through the Indian Territory and Kansas to Nebraska, Colorado, Dakota, Montana, Idaho, Nevada, and sometimes as far as California. Immense herds, as high as 30,000 or more, are moved by single owners, but are driven in bands of from one to 3,000, which when under way, are designated herds. Each of these have from ten to fifteen men, with a wagon driver and cook, and the kingpin of the outfit, the boss, with a supply of two or three ponies to a man, an ox team, and blankets. Also jerked beef and cornmeal, the staple food. They are also furnished with mavericks, or doubtless owned yearlings, for the fresh meat supply. After getting fully under way, and the cattle broke in, from ten to fifteen miles a day is the average, and everything is plain sailing in fair weather. As night comes on, the cattle are rounded up in a small compass, and held until they lie down, when two men are left on watch, riding round and round them in opposite direction, singing or whistling all the time, for two hours, that being the length of each watch. The singing is absolutely necessary as it seems to soothe the fears of the cattle, scares away the wolves or other varmints that may be prowling around, and prevents them from hearing any other accidental sound, or dreaming of their old homes, and if stopped would in all probability be the signal for a general stampede. Music hath charms to soothe the savage breast, if a cowboy's compulsory bawling outlines of his own composition. Lie nicely now, cattle, don't heed any rattle, but quietly rest until morn, for if you skedaddle, we'll jump in the saddle, and head you as sure as you're born, can be considered such. Ordinarily so clumsy and stupid-looking, a thousand beef steers can rise like a flock of quail on a roof of an exploding powder mill, 
and will scud away like a tumbleweed before a high wind, with a noise like a receding earthquake. Then comes frun and frolic for the boys. Many a cowboy has lost his life in one of these wild stampedes of cattle, which would put an army of men to flight in a mad charge down upon them. The next great trouble is in crossing streams, which are invariably high in the driving season. When cattle strike swimming water, they generally try to turn back, which eventuates in their milling, that is, swimming in a circle, and if allowed to continue would result in the drowning of many. Then the daring herder must leave his pony, doff his togs, scramble over their backs and horns to scatter them, and with whoops and yells, splashing, dashing, and didos in the water, scare them to the opposite bank. This is not always done in a moment, for a steer is no fool of a swimmer. One has been seen to hold his own for six hours in the gulf, after having jumped overboard. As some of the streams are very rapid, and a quarter to a half mile wide, considerable drifting is done. Then the naked herder has plenty of amusement in the hot sun, fighting green-head flies and mosquitoes, and peeping around for Indians, until the rest of the layout is put over. Not an easy job. A temporary boat has to be made of the wagon box by tacking the canvas cover over the bottom, with which the ammunition and grub is ferried across, and the running gear and ponies are swum over afterward. Indian fights and horse-thief troubles are part of the regular rations, mixing with other herds and cutting them out, again avoiding too much water at times, and hunting for a drop at others, belongs to the regular routine. Such is the cowboy of the Wild West, who, if not without faults, has virtues to compensate for the little eccentricities that cling to men of the frontier. End of chapter 3